just to talk Isn't that the way Everybody gotta do survival Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, joined here by our co-hosts and stars of this show, Mark Wiley and Will George. This is a day at the yard, Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will. Episode 417 on our network. We appreciate your guys' support. We're closing in on 64,000 subscribers this week. Got nominated for two awards. We've announced on every podcast, Sports Podcasts Awards, once for our entire network. So all the, all the shows together as a collective. So congratulations guys on that. And then our uh, flagship show, Coach and Kernan got nominated for uh, its efforts as well. So we're up against some of the big dogs, the Foxes, the ESPNs. Uh, the only thing I will promise if we do win, everybody will get to keep their awards. Nobody will have to hand them back in like ESPN had to do. Uh, to our sponsors, uh, Blackout Coffee, uh, Be Awake, Not Woke. You guys are going to see a phenomenal picture. This is Mark Wiley on there. You're going to think it's a model, but it's Blackout Coffee, Be Awake, Not Woke. We're going to put a picture of him up today. He's got the cap. He's got the shirt. He's got the mug. Did I miss anything else that you had there in the picture? No, I'm good. Yeah. I, was, I started looking at the memorabilia first in the back, and then I, was, I realized you had your Blackout Coffee stuff on with that. But um, So at checkout now, you can use uh, Mark, M-A-R-K-W, all caps, number 20. If you've used it already, use the – the, uh, the link, it'll get you 15% off. Mark's direct code will get you 20. Or you can use Will G, all caps, 20. Get you 20% off at checkout. Second time around, use the link. It'll get you 15. If there's a glitch, let me know. Uh, we've had some glitches lately with it and want to make sure we correct that, not just for our audience, but for our hosts as well. And Jaw Bats, the newest bat that's going to be certified for Major League Baseball this year. Our very own Jeff Fry is using a model now in Red Sox spring training. Uh, is doing well down there. Him and if you missed it, him and Lou Merloni are doing uh, a version of the She Gone videos with Lou Merloni as the star. So you'll get a kick out of that. He may be more entertaining than Fry. Fry's the producer. Um, yeah. And then with um, with our, the other bats, uh, my son Tanner's using it right now. The M110 model, uh, very well put together. He loves it both on the lefty side, righty side. So I recommend it highly. If you use RVG at checkout. You will get 15% off anything, bats, hats, gloves, you name it, everything they've got there. So um, Jaw Bats, Blackout Coffee, we appreciate you guys. And with that, I know um, you guys got the music there, a little Aerosmith there. I was watching uh, the movie uh, Miracle last night, so that was stuck in my head. Uh, that song plays in the credits there, and I can never get that locker room talk out of my head. I always think you guys with it's uh, when Herb Brooks gets on his uh, one of his top players, and he's, he's injured, and he tells him a, a bruise on the leg is a hell of a long way from the heart, you candy ass. And then they go at it. I don't think that could happen anymore in today's locker room. It'd be on YouTube and somebody would be suing somebody and, and whatnot. But uh, anyway, that triggered the song for me this morning with Dream On. So welcome back to your show, guys. And uh, where are we going to get started today, Mark? Uh, we're going to just discuss uh, some things that Will and I have been talking about since the last podcast about, uh, you know, where's all the pitching gone? Yeah, you know, the changes that have occurred in pitching, some things that maybe some of our listeners aren't aware of as far as uh, what took place in 2023 and and what what changes are being made throughout the game, which, you know, we've obviously hit on on other podcasts. But um, and then we're going to run over the top some of the top pitchers this last year and what they accomplished and. uh and give people some idea, you know, if they don't already know how much money these guys are making uh, for the efforts they're, they're putting out. Oh, I can't wait for this because we, uh, you know, as we look into our real world, we, we tend to start importing products from every other country but the U.S. And now we're starting to do that with pitching, right? Japanese yeah. pitchers and whatnot. And if they can pitch, they can pitch. But why can't we develop them here? Uh, that's uh, pose a question to all of our listeners. Uh, who's excited about the free agent pitching market and who's been signed. And like Dave said, we went, we went elsewhere. Uh, I think Toronto signed a Cuban pitcher yesterday. We've had a couple, a few Japanese pitchers signed. Um, We had a re-sign in Philadelphia with Aaron Nola, who's got a nice history with them, but uh, nobody is going, Oh, wow. We, we just signed 
whoever, you know, uh, not to knock anybody, but, you know, I think Jim Duquette put it well yesterday on the radio. He said, we're paying a lot of money for just innings and they don't have to be good innings. That's not a good place to be. Oh, it's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, there's so many things that are taking place now that it seems subtle to the probably average uh, watcher of, of baseball. But for those of us that have been in it for decades, you know, it's a big deal. And, and, and I think we're not talking about changing back to, you know, uh, back to the seventies, you know, when guys are throwing 300 innings and that kind of thing, but there is a value. There's a value to innings. Innings matter for a starting pitcher. And I think that, uh, you know, not only does it help the bullpen uh, for future games because you're not using as many pitchers, um, but people don't, you know, they don't understand, you know, how it gives confidence to the team uh, and the team has a feeling that they had a better chance of winning the games when they got a starter going deep into the games. And then not to mention that the other starting pitchers can feed off of it and they want to go deeper into the games. So, you know, like from a pitching coach standpoint, which I did for a long time in the big leagues, um, it's big to have your pitchers feed off of each other. You know, maybe Will can, can elaborate on that. You know, he's been around the game a oh, long time too. Yeah, no, there, there, there's no doubt that, uh, and we've talked about it so many times here uh, with all you and I, Mark, and other guys who are former pitchers, um, what it does to you individually when you have a start that you go deep into how you build on that confidence. And then, like you said, uh, usually starting pitchers all kind of uh, bond together and they pull for each other. And every fifth day, they, uh, you know, if the first starter goes out and throws a complete game, well, the second starter goes, well, you know, I want to do the same. You know, now all of a sudden you have guys who are going really deep in the games. They're, they're competing in a good way for their team but for themselves and they continually build confidence. And like you said, Mark, the biggest point ever, you know, is, you know, when, when, when I'm not a real smart mathematician, but the more innings my starters throw, the less innings I have to use a bullpen. So if I have a good team that plays deep into the year, I have a bullpen that is not overused and abused. I have a really strong bullpen and a strong starting rotation of a bunch of confident guys who go deep in the games. You know, and, and, and I'm not saying that some of the bullpens aren't tremendous now, um, but it still doesn't take away from the fact if a pitcher gets deeper in the game and adds a freaking inning on to his, to his start, what an impact that has not only in that game, but going forward and keeping guys fresh and healthy and everything else. So, um, you know, it's just amazing to me. I mean, this year, in 2023, the past season, uh, five pitchers threw 200 innings or more. Wow. Only five in the entire Major League of Baseball. I mean, are you kidding me? And only there were 34 complete games throughout the entire season with all 30 teams. So, you know, you're approaching like one complete game a team, maybe two for a couple. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, you know, I'm not saying we need complete games anymore. Uh, you know, I, hey, listen, when I was a pitching coach and I was old school and I threw a lot of complete games, my friends, Hall of Famers, ex-teammates, they used to get on me. They go, why can't these guys throw deep in the game? Why can't they throw comp- complete games? I said, because they don't grow up that way. Yeah. I said, I said, you can't all of a sudden change a guy when he's never done it. You know, I'll never forget I had a guy with Baltimore who came up from double A to pitch a game. He threw a shutout in interleague play against the Atlanta Braves. It was the first complete game or shutout he'd ever thrown in his life. And it was in the big leagues. I said, you got to be kidding me. You know, um, you know, pitchers use 
more pitchers were used from 2021 to 2023 than any time in Major League Baseball history. Yeah. 2,643 pitchers were used over those three years. Wow. I mean, that's more than any time in the history of baseball. Um, you, know, you, you know, Mark, and you talk, talk about that, and, and I think about the things that to me are unhealthy for a clubhouse and a team is uh, when, when you had an, uh, an 11, a 10 or 11 or 12 man pitching staff, you had a bullpen of guys who were kind of there the whole year. Now we look at it as a bullpen of 18 to 20 guys who get shuttled back and forth from two different places. So, uh, with the exception of the closers and the setup men and maybe uh, a couple veteran late-inning situational guys, you have a bunch of guys who are always shuttling around. Instead of pitching at the same place for the whole season, it, to me, that's not healthy either. Talk about um, that, Will, because that's, that's something that um, we've hit on in other areas, but not directly on, on this. I think it's a great point. Yeah, because he's, um, he's, he's and, and again, I, I don't I, I think there's a place for analytics, but I don't think it should be used as numbers. I think it should be used as the English language and dealt in the human way. But talk to I mean, these kids are not dividends. You can't divide them up and yeah, move yeah. them in. And I mean, like, you know, you, you know, a lot of these guys, they're married. They have kids. They come up, you know, they throw a couple times during the course of the week. The one day they end up throwing two and a third shutout innings. And the next day they get option to triple a and another another commodity comes up and it's like i and and then that guy might not be back again for a month he's got to go you know stay in a hotel in triple a city for a while and try and and do it to me it just doesn't make sense they don't treat them like human beings you know and 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 to go deeper into it when we cut back to 42 teams at the minor league level we now have 18 to 20 pitchers at every level that are filling six games a week. So nobody is actually pitching enough to develop. We have too many, too many guys and, and we still don't have enough innings in some cases. It's just, I, you know, none of it makes any sense to me that we've changed so drastically. Too, too many guys, yet we still see position players throwing in major yeah. league baseball games. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know. And the amazing thing is the, the teams that I've been involved with that made it to the playoffs into the World Series, um, their starting pitchers were pretty solid. Yeah. They, they, they went wire to wire. They pitched a lot of innings. Um, you know, that's how you get there. You can't, you know, they, they're making – now, they're, of course, they're expanding um, – the playoffs. So more teams are getting in with really crappy records. Right. I mean, perfect example is, uh, you know, these, these, these teams that, that have almost 500 records that are getting in playoffs and other sports too, you know, they're trying to expand it. So they think that's bringing more fans in. Fans aren't stupid. They know the team's not very good, you know, and they know they're not going to last very long into the playoffs. Right. Um, but the, my my thought is is that that the teams that really get through look at look at look at where uh, Texas was with the, their starting pitcher by the time they they finish the year and, yep. and, and 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 look at the teams that are in the late part of the playoffs and their rotations you know it's not a, just a hodgepodge of guys it's guys that that are like everybody knows their name you know. Yeah, no, you know, and, and we Kevin wrote about it, I think, last week when we were talking about start in his starting pitching article um, for the outsourcing. But, um, you know, we watched the World Series and tip my hat to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, immediately they signed, you know, they were excited. They went out and they signed Eduardo Rodriguez, which was a really good sign. You add that to the other starters that they had in the playoffs the World Series maybe goes in a different direction because then we don't have that game, that game four bullpen game versus uh, Texas, who had Andrew Haney, who was a major league starter. 
and then Arizona doesn't have the overexposed bullpen. So um, that showed, you know, you know that that showed somebody who uh, their GM and their people there they 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 knew that that was a weakness, and they went out and they addressed it. And now they got four four deep starters plus the kid who came in after the bullpen gave up ten runs, pitched pretty well too. So they might have found themselves a fifth starter. So. How, Mark, in your research, how far off are we from it? You mentioned 200 innings as a benchmark. I mean, now you, you look at it, it's going down to 140, you know, with guys. How, how far off are we from when the days of the 300 innings was kind of the, the, the benchmark? I think it was uh, like 1980 or something. Um, yeah, we haven't seen 300. Well, was, that, was that Carlton? Carlton uh, was a 300 guy. Uh, I, I think yeah. he was the last guy, and John Smoltz was the last guy through 250. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we just uh, – and it's just amazing to me the amount of money these guys are making. Right. Um, and, you know, here's, a, here's, a, here's something I found out. Okay, Blake Snell is one of the most sought-after starting pitchers right now. He's won two Cy Young Awards. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Blake. Um because, you know, he's only allowed to do what he's allowed to do, right? You know, who knows? He may want to go complete games, but he's not allowed to. He's come out and said he didn't. He was mad one time when they didn't take him out. Um, well, so he's that, been indoctrinated. That, yeah, that was the, the kid from from uh, Seattle, too. Yeah, so. yeah he did but, that, too. Yeah. But, you know, uh, anyway, I went through his – he threw 180 innings last year and won the Cy Young Award. Um, You know, he was – he was one of the the few guys. Hold on a second. Um, That's Blake Snell calling. He's pissed off. You're yeah, talking. I, I turned my phone Son off of too. Bitch. At least we know we're being listened to. Yeah, he's calling. He's complaining that I'm getting. I wanted to throw. I wanted to throw. He hasn't, he hasn't signed yet. That's right. Yeah. He got yeah. mad that I confused him with the guy from Seattle, probably. Yeah, but I mean, you know, uh, there's only Snell through. <clears throat> he threw the least amount of innings of the top 18 pitchers in baseball. The least amount of innings. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's just amazing to me that, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going after this guy. Teams are, 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 are trying to sign him and that he's going to get a tremendous amount of money. I mean, he made 16 million last year. Um, and he's going to probably double that. Double. Yeah, he's going to double it. He'll probably yeah. double that. And uh, but you know, when you go through his career, if he throws thirty-four starts a year, which I don't think he's ever done, he'll throw average one hundred and seventy-seven innings per year. Wow. Um, he strikes out a ton of guys. He also walks a lot of guys. And this is something I used to keep track of because, I, you know, selfishly, when I played. I gave up a lot of hits. I pitched a long time in the Pacific Coast League, which is kind of was a major hitters league, but I didn't like walking people. I didn't walk very many people. And I gave up a lot of hits, singles because of that, because rather than walk them, you know, I would challenge them in my best area and they get a base hit. But I used to keep track of how many base runners I had on base because Guys would come up and say, oh, Mark, you know, you, you give up more hits than you do innings pitched. I said, yeah, how many guys do I have on base? Right. And they go, what do you mean? I said, well, this other guy walks a lot. He strikes out a lot more guys than I do, but he walks a ton. So when you put the walks with the hits, that's how many base runners are, not even counting airs. I said, so, you know, you got to – you got to figure that in. When you think somebody's really good, look at his base deal. Now, both Derek – uh, Garrett Cole and Schnell are pretty good. Um, Garrett Cole, he's he had uh, uh, he pitched uh, 209 innings pitched, and he only had 205 base runners. That's really good. Yeah, it's yeah. because he doesn't walk people, and right. he strikes out a ton of guys. Whereas Schnell walks a lot of guys, and. Uh, you know, he has more guys on base than, than uh, uh, you know, than Snell does. Still not too bad. But uh, you have to understand that these guys, 
there's a lot of things you look at as a pitching coach and, and a person who's into pitching, like I've been for my whole career, that I it doesn't seem like people pay attention to it. You know, other things is where the guy pitches. You know, like Snell pitched in Tampa and he pitched in San Diego. Right. Arguably two of the best places to pitch in baseball and then didn't go deep into the games. Right. So, you know, from pitching coach standpoint, I look at that and somebody says, well, yeah, he's really good. He can wipe guys out with his pitches. Um, but he doesn't get deep into games in ballparks where he should get deeper into the games. Yeah. It should be easier for him to get deeper into the game. You know, I, you know, to, to me, we, we chase swing and miss so much and we throw so many useless pitches now, as opposed to years ago being taught to pitch the contact and try to make the contact weak and have a mindset that you weren't going to walk hitters. Uh, it, you know, you know, it, you know, now our, our focus is on, on all the wrong things. We focus on velocities and spin rates and shapes as opposed to the finished product of um, quality innings and quality innings pitched and getting outs. Um, you know, you know, the best best innings in the world, Mark, were, you know, three or four pitch innings when you were starting. You know, you're pitching against an aggressive team, you're throwing strikes. You know, you get into the fourth inning, they go, we got to swing early. This guy's around the plate and you have a four pitch inning. You know, those are dream innings now. And, you know, you never see that anymore because, you know, the hitters, the hitters are taught to, to, to see as many pitches as possible and guys are trying to swing and miss. So you got, you got a game of three and two counts every day. Well, you know, I remember I coached for Cal Ripken Sr., and you don't, he used to say, you don't pitch to miss bats. You pitch to make them hit your pitch. Yeah. To take the sting out of the bat, throw less pitches. Yeah. And that's why good defense is really important. Yeah. You know, people go, well, this guy's way more valuable because the infielders don't have to catch as many balls. Yeah. But when they're asked to catch the ball, do they catch it or are they capable of catching it? Right. You know, I can see it. If you got a bad defense, it helps to have pitchers that strike people out because they can't catch the ball. Yeah. You know, I can, I can remember one particular team I was a coach on and our infield was good. We had good defense on our infield. Our outfield was horrendous. They couldn't catch balls in the gap because they had no speed. Yeah. So balls were falling in and we're playing other teams and their guys are running balls down. They're hit pretty good in the gaps. Our guys never got to them. You know, and I remember telling the manager, I go, I go, we got a real problem. I said, watch the game and see how many balls are falling. They're saying, oh, your team's giving up a lot of extra base hits. I said, why is that? Yeah. I said, our pitchers are pitching just the same as the other pitchers in the other league. The balls are hit just the same crispness in the same areas of the field. And other teams have guys that can run the ball down. It makes a difference, especially in the outfield, because it's big. If you don't cover gaps in outfield, it's more runs than, than a shortstop making an air. Right. I have a, I have a puzzle for you guys. It's going to make my head explode trying to say it, but let's see if I can get it out here. So when, when I talk to, you know, when, when we get out there, we, we obviously talk to a lot of people in preparation for our shows throughout the week. The common theme in Major League Baseball, and it's kind of trickled down, is that for hitters, strikeouts are not only okay, but they're good because you don't roll into a double play. So now on the flip side of that, if strikeouts are good for hitters, I'm thinking like an SAT question. Why are pitchers chasing strikeouts right now? Why aren't they chasing contact? If contact is bad for hitters, yeah. why aren't they chasing contact? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. You know, Mark, and how many times did you go out to, on a mound visit and say, hey, you know, uh, um, bases loaded, uh, one out, one pitch, we're out of the inning. You yeah. know, that, that positive reinforcement, one pitch for two outs. You know, how many people get runners on base and don't realize, you know, you're one or two pitches away from getting out of an inning easily. If you don't panic and you make a pitch and, you know, and you have a good defense, like you said, playing behind you. You know, these are just common sense things that, you know, nobody thinks about anymore. It's like, oh, gosh, there's runners on base. What are we going to do? How about get a freaking ground ball? 
Well, you know, I mean, we're trying to do that because like you said, you get you get two outs with one pitch. It's mm-hmm. a, and I used to teach my guys when you get a guy on first base, no matter how he got on there with less than two outs, it's an opportunity. Yeah. It's an opportunity for you to get a double play and get two outs. Right. If you think of an opportunity, you'll throw your pitches that you know on in the certain parts of the strike zone or the type of pitch you're throwing against a certain hitter that you can achieve a ground ball. Right. Um, you know, but now the pitchers aren't even told. They're told what to throw. You've right. got these guys calling the game that want the guy to miss the ball. They're not thinking of the bigger picture of a double play is better than striking a guy out. You know, I'll tell you what, this is the, as far as hitting's concerned, this is really makes me laugh because how many times in recent years have you seen bases loaded less than two outs and nobody scores because the guys, both guys struck out or the guy on third base with less than two outs and the guy strikes out. Yeah. Or when when he did, when he had two and the guy pitching his pitches, were were you could make contact on his pitches, but they were trying to do more with the ball and bigger right. swings and struck out. Did you did you guys see Joe Maurer when he got inducted? The Twins retired his jersey. They had they had uh, this kind of puts it in the context of the generations. They bred one of the guests at the the ceremony was the only guy who struck him out through his entire entire high school experience, summer and high school season. Only one guy, and so he came out to just say hello. And it was. I mean, that's got to put it in perspective. In, in today's yeah. game, like in any given, like any given Thursday game, there may be a hitter struck out by three different guys in the same game. Well, that was. Uh, did, did you see that that Tony Gwynn fact the other day? Uh, he had five consecutive seasons where he had under twenty strikeouts. Yeah. Um, and and I remember posting it on Facebook that I go watch a minor league series and over the five games they have more strikeouts than he had in five seasons yeah a singular team that's a week right 29 two weeks 29 strikeouts for some people yeah you know hey you know mark uh a couple years ago i was doing my coverage and had a high a ball team that had a couple really good looking prospects and the kids were in the stands doing doing their uh charts and radar gun and stuff and i got talking to a couple of the kids And one of the really good prospects panicked. He got bases loaded early in the game. He had a borderline 3-2 walk, an error, and then a base hit, and the manager held up the runner. And uh, and I just – and he really panicked, and I could see that the kid panicked. And I was talking to a couple of their starters, and I said, you know, that's one of the biggest problems with young pitchers. They panic when – they're in trouble. You know, you do less to do more. You slow yourself down, take a deep breath and realize one pitch, two outs, you know, you, you, you know, you're one pitch really away from getting out of a tough jam and being back in and, and without any real damage. And they go, well, what do you mean? And I go, well, one pitch, two outs would be a ground ball, double play. Oh, wow. I never heard that before. <laughs> and, <laughs> And then, and and I go, well, did you ever like hear like do less to do more, you know, where you really got to slow yourself down, you know, you can't be overly hyper out there. You got to stay in control, keep your body in No, I never heard any of those things. That's actually pretty good advice. And I'm going, wow. It's like, you know, and, and this was, you know, a high A ball team with some pretty highly ranked prospects on it too. Yeah, they, it, it is amazing. Um, and I've ran into that when I was a director of pitching, when I've been a coordinator and we get players from high school and college that sign and you're working with them and you tell them things that we all learned when we were young. (laughs) I mean, we learned it really, and they are astounded. They're astounded. I never heard of that. I never thought of that. Like that just shows the people that are teaching don't get it. They're teaching the game. They're not teaching the game. They're teaching analytics. Yeah, they're teaching. Uh, because they can understand analytics. They're teaching things that, that that are new tools that we have in our game. But are those tools making them better pitchers? They're not. Because spin rate, pitch shape, and velocity don't make you a better pitcher. 
Well, tell that tell that Jim Palmer story again, Will, about the young pitcher that he talked to after his outing. Oh, gosh, yeah, outing. that was that that was great when we had Jim on, and you know he didn't make a road trip, and the the Orioles went to Cleveland and uh, Kansas City, I think, and the one of their young starters had a start in Cleveland where he went three and two thirds innings. He gave up nine hits and seven runs. And Jim said, you know, I didn't get a chance to see the game. How was it? He goes, well, I actually did a really good job. (laughs) And, you know, Palmer, you know, being smart and he goes, really? He goes, oh yeah, my, all my peripherals and my spin rate was good. My shapes were good on my breaking balls. And, uh, he said, uh, he said, wow. He goes, and who told you that? He goes, well, you know, they, they, we talked afterwards. We went through the game and he goes, you know, he goes, you know, you, you would have had your next good start down in Rochester if you were playing for Earl Weaver. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, you know, but, you know, he didn't, he didn't, that's what he was taught. He was yeah. taught that's what good is, yeah. you know, and, and Hey, I get it. When I pitched, if I lost a game and I threw a complete game, I didn't just throw it in the toilet. Yeah. I said, well, you know, at least I threw a complete game. I did pretty well. I rested the bullpen. Yeah. I did. The, I tried to find the positives, which all pitchers do. Yeah. You try to find positives, but you can't look through rose-colored glasses all the time. No. you got to have some reality of what really is good and what isn't good. And well, uh Uh, I got another good story from uh, Cal Ripken when his son was playing in the minor leagues. And there's a pitcher who's actually in the big leagues with the Orioles now who was a really good-looking prospect coming up. He was a starter. Uh, Always wondered if he was ever going to be able to develop the third pitch to be a starter. And when he got promoted to double A, he was rooming with Cal's son, Ryan. And uh, Cal said, well, what are you working on? He said, well – I need to get my slider usage up to 48%. <laughs> and Cal goes, oh, okay. He goes, what else? He goes, no, no, that's it. <laughs> and, you know, Cal called me a couple of days later. He goes, did you ever hear that? I go, oh, that's a new one, but uh, nothing ever surprises me anymore. You know, it's, it's, it's like his arbitrarily saying to somebody, uh, hey, uh, tomorrow or this month, you've got to, Use the word abracadabra more often in your your conversations. Right. I mean, it has, it's, it's ridiculous. Well, I mean, here here's something, you know. And we also we had Jim Palmer on, like Will said, and he made a comment about this, which which may which fans don't get an opportunity very often anymore. And uh, he was saying that you know it was the year Vita Blue was like ridiculous. Oh, yeah. You know, I think he won the. MVP and Cy Young Award. Yep. And I think Jim got pushed back or something. And all of a sudden he's going to, he's going to pitch against Vita Blue. And as soon as people found out about it, the stadium sold out. Yeah. They had a $21,000 day of the game sellout at uh, Memorial Stadium that day. Right. And then he said, unfortunately, they got rained out. But he said, that's what happened because people came to see a heavyweight fight. Yeah. You know, it's like, you're not going to see Koufax versus Gibson anymore. No. You know, you're not going to see stuff like that. So, you know, the closest could be now is, oh, if you had a couple side, like Snell was pitching against Cole or something. But, you know, we're not talking about the same guys with the same track records. And we're not talking about guys that are going deep into games. I mean, Cole is by far the best pitcher probably now. Yeah. Because yep. he actually throws over 200 innings. He throws 6.19 innings uh, per start. Whereas Blake Snell throws 5.19. He throws an inning less yeah. per start than than Cole does. And I'll tell you what, though, Cole never wants to give the ball up either when he comes out. That's the one thing I still love about him. And, you know, Mark, to use – you said it early on, and I think Kevin has grabbed it and used it numerous times, that we're stifling greatness. I would say we're just stifling averageness. You know, I mean, really, when it comes to starting pitching, we're not only stifling greatness, we're stifling just average, you know, because 
the fact that we can't get guys to go over five innings is is nothing more than average. My gosh, that's nothing. Uh, so, well, uh, here, here, maybe you guys can answer this question. And this is this is a different area, and I don't really know the answer. I guess I haven't thought enough about it. But, um, in in there's only been three years since 1953 where we had we had the oldest pitch play uh, pitchers pitching in the big leagues the average age for a pitcher in the big leagues now is 28.9 okay 53 it was 29.2 it's only happened two times in 2005 2004 since then so in the last you know 20 years the age is going up in baseball. And I never thought that because you always think these guys are moving through the systems really fast. But the average age is freaking 28.9 for a pitcher in the big leagues now. You know, and, 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 and I think I would say that the pitching age is going up and I wonder what the study is on the position player side, because I think that might be going down some. You might be. You could find that. I didn't look that it, up because I was thinking about it. It seems to me. It seems to me that um, teams are more pushing less of their kids to the big leagues and just signing retread pitchers who have some track record. Well, you know, last year he only had a five point one ERA. Let's sign him. Well, this is a perfect example, right. Willow. What you're talking about, you know, guys making major money that have always been losing pitchers because they can eat innings up. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're paying, you know, we're, we're, we're paying close to $15 million a year for five innings and a, and a below 500 record and a near five ERA. And, and you're going, that's, that's worth something. And I can't develop something that could be a little bit better than that. Well, that's why, um, They've gone to Japan. Yeah, exactly. That's why they're going out of the country to get these guys, you know, Latin American guys that have pitched a lot growing up, way more than American kids have. Well, that was, you know, on that interview, on that interview yesterday that I heard, they said, well, it's, you know, in talking to this team president, this is going to take a couple of years to just, no, it's not. This is going to take longer than two years to stretch guys out that they're actually going to be competent. And if you don't start teaching them how to go deep in the games, you know, like one of the most telling articles last year, not the sidetrack was, it just came to me was when Clark Schmidt, uh, after the all-star break started going deep in the games and somebody did an interview with him and said, you know, you've, you've really gotten better at going deep in the games. He said, well, Garrett Cole has really helped me a lot. And Clark Schmidt just started, you know, using more change-ups, mixing his pitches better, pitching the contact more. And he said, nobody had ever talked to me about that because we never cared about going deep into games. But now all of a sudden he's a major league pitcher who can't get to the fifth inning ever. But now he's getting into the sixth and seventh inning of games because Garrett Cole, who was taught years ago with the Pirates, how to go deep in the games. Well, the veteran guys, you know, Cole and Gosman. Yeah. Uh, they're the only two guys that, you know, are around six innings a game. Yeah. Yeah. They learned how to do it. Right. Right. You know, it, it's uh, you got to learn it in the minor leagues too. You know, yeah. I mean, in developing pitchers, you you know, you want to push for them not to ask out of the game, not look in the dugout. Right. You know, we had to do that in Colorado because it's 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 tough mentally to pitch in Colorado. We can't have guys wanting to bail out of games. Well, those those four years we've gone to the playoffs and been very representative as a major league team the key to every one of those years was our starting pitching. Yes. As, as, as much as Coors Field is an offensive juggernaut, it is for everybody. 
the the difference making years are the years that our starters go deep in the games, our bullpens aren't overtaxed, and that's that's when we're our most successful. And our worst years are definitely the years where our starting pitching has injuries and we don't perform well. You know, it's um, you know, it's 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 a challenge everywhere to keep people healthy. Um, you know, I always felt that, that, uh, I had a pretty good handle on that when I was a pitching coach, when to pull a guy and uh, when to recommend to pull him, when to give him an extra day, you know, when to rest a bullpen guy. Um, you know, to me, you know, you can't let winning override the health of a player because it's going to come and backfire on you anyway, you know? Um, when at all costs, uh, sure, people do it in the World Series. I won't lie. I probably would have never recommended uh, Randy Johnson pitching the day after he started a game in a right. World Series game, even though it was a World Series game. That's just me. Yeah. Um, you know, that has to be the manager's call um, because I can't take a chance of putting that guy in jeopardy when I've never seen anybody ever do that before. Right. Um uh, especially somebody, you know, those kind of talented people don't come around every day. And, you know, and even, even, uh, hey, Bochi made a decision um, with the Giants to have, uh, what's his name? Bumgarner come Bumgarner come in and relieve. He'd had two days off, though, which is, you know, I've had a lot of guys, and when we were hurting or we were in a playoff situation or whatever, where you had a bullpen guy instead of doing his side between starts, you held him off in case you need him for an inning or two. But, uh, you know, Bumgarner pitched more than that. I think he pitched like five or something. Um, I couldn't, uh, again, I, <laughs> I couldn't have recommended that. Um, but that's just me. I mean, those are special things that happen. They're great for the game. It obviously didn't really hurt either one of those guys. Yeah. Um, they were special guys. Their managers knew them. They knew them better than I do. And, you know, these guys were – superhuman strength. So, you know, maybe, maybe it'd be different if I had all the information, but. Hey, hey Mark, I, I, I had a question and you probably maybe have studied this or thought about this um, in developing your pitchers in the minor leagues um, because of uh, major league hitters being more selective or whatever, like to get a guy into seven innings in the minor leagues equates to what about five somewhere between five or six in the big leagues oh yeah so, so so like you know the fact that we're shutting guys down now in the minor leagues after four and two-thirds and five innings that equates to about you know getting to the big leagues and be able to go three decent innings or three and a half innings or whatever Maybe that's like, like that's probably why they're getting hurt. That lack of understanding of what yeah. you're saying that seems. Well, yeah, and here here's another one. You know, like so many organizations don't pitch guys back to back, right? Very rarely, especially right. never three to three in a row. Right. You know, you know. To me, you're looking at totally different individuals in the bullpen. Sure, there's guys probably you got to protect that aren't very good. They get sore or whatever than other guys do, and they can't go back-to-back days. Uh, if you have a whole bullpen of those guys, you're in big trouble, though. Um, but you can't put a formula together. You get guys that are really good, you want to use them more. They're stronger. They're better. I mean, you know, talk about Raleigh Fingers or guys like that that, that, oh, that used to throw multiple innings for saves. Um, they had long, long careers, and and they had it because they were stronger guys. They were able to bounce back faster. You can't put everybody uh, pigeonhole them in the same hole. You well, know, and, some and, guys and, are more durable. Jose Mesa, I used to peep track of him like a hawk, and, and people used to ask me, "So, well, how many times you had him throw in a row?" And I said, "Well, one time I had him go four days in a row." And they go four days in a row, and I go, "Yeah." I said, "You know, he threw six pitches one game, twelve the next game." 10 the next game and the third game Grover asked me, he says, how do you think Jose is? I said, he's fine. I mean, the yeah. guy was an animal and he's throw yeah. long toss, long toss, foul pole to foul pole. Yeah, um, well that, you know, that's the thing when they throw strikes, I just, 
uh, uh, was uh, listening to an interview because I guess Cleveland may be talking about trading Class A because the bullpen, the closer uh, market is so thin right now. Um, and Francona said, you know, he said, I can use him three days in a row because he has an eight and nine pitch innings where he strikes out two guys on three pitches and then gets a pop-up or a ground ball. You know, if you have guys who come in and throw strikes and they have good stuff, your 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 guys can go more days in a row. Well, I've so, heard on broadcasts, I've heard guys kind of um, uh, talk down a reliever that's really good because he doesn't strike a lot of guys out. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, really? Well, maybe he makes contact, and maybe he can pitch more often than the guy that strikes everybody out. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of elements to it that people like to pigeonhole pitchers. That's why you have managers and coaches that have relationships with the players and they have eyes and experience to make those judgments. Well, you know, who's the little, uh, the little right-handed reliever with the giants that pitched in the eighth inning ahead of Brian Wilson and the other guys uh, that threw 87, 88 with the little sweeping breaking ball, but never threw a pitch in the middle of the plate. Um, Gosh, what was his name? Uh, I think he got the final eight out in the the the, the series that they beat the Tigers in uh, that year in 2014 or whatever, or no 2012, uh, what, whichever series it was. But it was uh, the little right-handed reliever that pitched forever. Gosh, I can't think. Of was he with Will? With the Giants. I'll look it up while you guys are going. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, he was like 88 to 91, um, you know, and he had that sweep and breaking ball. You know, I, I still see in my head him striking out the final out. I think he struck out Miguel Cabrera on a pitch that he chased that he swept off the plate. But, you know, he was just a strike thrower. And, both yeah, and, and here's the other thing. When you're – when you know what you're doing, you know what roles to put the guys in. You know, like um, you have guys, you know, I had a guy in uh, in Miami when I was a pitching coach down with the Marlins. We we used him, Joe Nelson. We used yeah. him in setup role, and he had like a two-earned run average for the year, and he was unbelievable. Yeah. He pitched at the top of the zone, did not have high velocity at all, had a great change up. Yeah. And he just, uh, but, but we didn't have, we knew that was the best role for him. Yeah. You know, we had a closer and he, he set the guy up, uh, you know, he got, he got traded or he uh, became a free agent and signed with, with uh, the, with uh, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay tried to make him a closer and it didn't work. It wasn't his role. Um, you know, a lot of guys are, are just, when you find a good role for the guys, it's great. Yeah. I mean, Dave just mentioned on the, uh, on the thing about Jeremy Affelt. That was um, the core four relievers with the Giants. They had Affelt, uh, Santiago Casilla, Javier Lopez, and Sergio Romo. It was Romo he's talking about, I think. Yeah, it was Romo that, that came in and saved the game. And he pitched for years in that role, you know. In a, he a very confident guy. But, uh, you know, Jeremy Affelt, that's a perfect – Jeremy Affelt was a starter with Kansas City, came to Colorado, transitioned to relief, started to get really good in relief the year that we went to the World Series. Then he went to the Giants and just fed off that and became one of the best relievers in all of baseball in his role, not as a closer, but as a setup guy or when needed. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I'll oh, go well. No, no. The, and the other thing is you just talked about that core four, yeah. all different looks. You know, Javier Lopez, we ended up trading for. We had him in Colorado. He was a sidearm left-hander. Affelt was a higher three-quarter guy with a hard breaking ball that went back foot to right-handers, could get righties and lefties out. You know, Romo was, you know, didn't throw hard, but, you know, mixed his pitches, never threw a pitch in the middle. 
when you have different looks and guys that throw strikes, and like you said, Mark, FL built off of that success in 07 with us, and unfortunately we didn't keep him. My gosh, what a great career he had. Yeah, it's, um, you know, that's why, you know, I'm telling you, experienced baseball people uh, make better judgments than people that are just doing it on paper. Think, and think that's about- why you see some – you'll see a lot of baseball people shake their head when you see free agents sign with certain teams because baseball people know. Right. And then, you know, they go, we know why they signed him because of this and that numbers that he had, but they don't understand the guy, his role, where he fits with that, their team. They these think he just put him from one team to another team. You know, it's like taking a, 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 a hitter that hits sixth in the lineup for one team that has an unbelievable lineup. And then he goes and they ask him to hit third in another lineup as a free agent and baseball people go, he's not a third hitter. Well, he hit that well and did that well because he was in a great lineup. And that's uh, usually that eighth inning versus ninth inning, something about the ninth inning that some guys, they, they try too hard versus just, you know, being who they were in the eighth inning. They're not the same guy. You know, I closed uh, one year uh, in the minor leagues in AAA. And uh, I can tell you, and I've talked to a lot of closers, a lot of my friends are major league closers. You know, you get this, you start to get amped up about the seventh inning, eighth inning. You're, you're cranking up. And, and it's not that you want – the guy ahead of you not to do well. And this is back when, you know, they weren't just replacing guys. Um, You wanted to get in the game because you wanted to have an impact in that game and you wanted to finish that game off. If you didn't get the opportunity, great, you won the game. But you wanted to be the guy in there. And that's kind of what the great closers, they want to be the guy on the mound at the end of the game. Um, Not everybody does. Well, and that's and, not that's and, not a bad thing. And the other thing too is when you're in a tough spell and you haven't had to use your closer because you've lost three games in a row and you bring them into a meaningless game, they usually throw horribly. Well, you know, they do. You know, because but, you they, know, don't, it, they don't have that same focus. Exactly. The games on the line. You know, there's a and, and there's a balance to that because I've had to do both. I've seen it happen to both. I've seen putting a closer that hadn't pitched in four days, and I didn't want him to go five days without throwing. Yeah. In a game, and I'd recommend him to go in, and the guy would give up a run or two. Yeah. And I'd feel bad. I'd feel bad, but I'm going. If he didn't do that though, tomorrow he might not be very good. Right. And evidently, evident, you know. Then eventually the next day we pitch him and he closed the game out because like you said, you got to have the adrenaline, but there's also a physical thing. You got to have a guy out there making pitches and and reestablishing his rhythm and his timing. If you don't, if you wait too long, uh, it may take a while for him to get it back. Right. And ironically, you guys mentioned this before the show, major league baseball, well, one they should realize they're getting the exact results they're training to do. And that's that shouldn't be that shouldn't be uh, out of the realm of their thinking. But all of a sudden they've had a ding 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 moment that pitching is not going how they want it, and they now want that marquee matchup, like you mentioned with Jim Palmer in that story. They want that marquee ma- and pitchers to go longer. So it's 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 kind of ironic. I want you guys to talk to that a little bit uh, as much as you're comfortable that the problem was created by them, and now they're creating studies to to us uh, to study the very problem that they created uh, to try to fix it when it could have just been left alone. Well, human nature is that you're never going to admit it, that yeah. you created the problem. That's the Jerry um, Jones effect, I call it. Yeah. 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 You create the problem, but you never admit to it, which is, you know, hey, I get it. Um, you know, people are very protective of, of decisions they make. Uh, sometimes, uh, they should just admit it and say, you know, I made a bad decision on that one. I wish I would have done it differently. Um, 
I respect the football coaches when they interview them after the game and they tell them, you know what? I should have done that differently. I screwed that up. Right. I love that because they're human beings. You know, you get caught up in something or confidence in a guy um, when you really didn't need to. Um, uh, but making, making all these rule changes and, and, and limiting uh, the way you develop pitchers and have people talk down, you know, um, decisions people make when, when they do it, uh, what we consider an old school decision, um, uh, they want it to backfire. They want it to backfire because it speaks volumes against what they want to do if it works. We, you know, Mark, as I'm sitting here thinking, um, we, we've all, also, you know, not only limited during the season starting pitching, and relievers, what instructional league is what a week long now? Yeah, it's just you know, uh, you know instructional league used to be two months when you and I first signed. I mean, it was a competitive league. I mean, a very competitive league with guys who were ready to play in the big leagues, and me coming out of high school pitching against those guys because I was a prospect and I was invited there. Um, guys went and pitched winter ball every year. They went and pitched. That's how everybody gets better by pitching. Well, Will, but this is the whole thing. The creation of the way pitchers are developed as kids growing up. Right. Um, they're rewarded and they become satisfied with with less. Yeah. I can tell you, I've been in instructional league with the kids. They're mentally totally spent. They're exhausted after playing. Some of them, they pitched 100 innings in college. And then they pitched a few starts in short season and they're ready to go home. They're exhausted. They can't believe we made him come to instructional league. You know, like this goes back to toughening up our country, you know, cuffing up the kids to play sports and be the guy that, that people look up to that's tougher than everybody else. You know, you know, that's why complete games were such a big deal back in my day is because it was a, a statement you were making that I'm a guy that I can take it from wire to wire. And I want you to look at me and say, I'm special. They now they're rewarded for being special for five innings. And I can't say enough of what you just said about the minor leagues, right? You know, five innings in, in the minor leagues is like three innings in the big leagues. Yeah. Yeah. So, so why shouldn't we have our starters in the minor leagues pitching more innings than our starters in the big leagues? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, and, you know, the best prospects should be starting for as long as they can at the minor league level. As well, well, you know, and the, the other thing that always kills me, it always comes in. You're going to hurt him. You're going to hurt him. <laughs> How many times? They say, I can't believe they pitched that guy seven innings. He's a top prospect. And I said, yeah, he threw 100 pitches in seven innings. What's the big deal? You know, like he gave up three hits. You know, oh, they're going to hurt him. Well, you know, that's easy to say when you don't know anything about the game. Right. And and people are getting hurt anyway. So where's your argument there? Right. Well, take it to football. Like, you know, not to take it off course, but it's a parallel. Guys are getting injured more and more now because they don't practice anymore. According to the collective bargaining, they don't have to hit. They don't they can't tackle. All the fundamentals are are gone uh, because it's not being reinforced, uh, reinforced on a daily basis. And I like the word you use, special, Mark, when you finish nine innings. I, I like that, the way you, you painted that out there. We need to redefine the word special back again to where it was, as you described it, going nine innings was special. Now, if a kid pays $500 on a Saturday, he can be an All-American. Um, you go to this All-American. Well, you know, we, I, you know, because of Colorado and knowing what happens there, and it was always in my DNA to, to believe this and to teach it, was that... When a guy had a tough, I used to tell pitchers, I said, you know, when you have a, I said, I used to reward guys at the end of the, at the end of the game, if I had a pitcher that went like three, three innings and he was in trouble the whole time, he his pitch count was getting up. He was in trouble. He was getting hit around, but in the third inning with two outs and bases loaded, he made a pitch to get out of the inning. And we took we took him out of the game, and let's say the team was down like four nothing at this point, and we came back 
and we won the game at the end of the game. We had guys pitch in relief and do a good job. The hitters did a good job of getting us back in the game, and we win the game. I made a point after the game to acknowledge that unbelievable contribution the starter did even having a tough game. I said, do you guys realize we could have never won that game if Joe wouldn't have got that out with bases loaded and two outs in the third e- e- inning? He, I said, he could have caved. He could have felt sorry for himself, but he kept bearing down and he got through the inning and he kept it at four nothing instead of seven to nothing. And we came back and won the game five to four. And, and, and I tried to do that. As, I looked for opportunities to bring that up to players to see things in perspective. It's not always when you're great. It's some of the little things you do when you're not. No, it's, uh, you know, it's just such a different world. As we were talking, I, I looked in 1978, I had, uh, I got mono, but I threw 150 innings and 20 starts, Mark, (laughs) in the Florida State League. I had 12 complete games. And then I went to instructional league for two months and, and, you know, made another nine, nine or eight or nine starts, I think there. And I think I went five or six innings, every one of those starts, you know, and at the end of the year, my arm was fine. I was fine. I, you know, my body was tired because I was recovering from mono, but uh, it was just, just a different world. I, you know, but those innings taught taught me how to pitch. That, yeah, it's that that, uh, that that we're just not doing now. You know, you know, Latroy Hawkins talked about it really well. He said that, you know, he struggled as a starter because he never developed the third pitch, and he always had men on base. But it made him a good reliever because he could come into a game. And he learned how to pitch with a slow heartbeat with men on base because he had started so much with, and had, well, yeah, you, you know, know, you know, in developing players, you put them sometimes in a position that you know that they're probably not going to be in the big leagues. I remember Paul Shuey in instructional league. I had him, <clears throat> I had him starting some games in instructional league. Yeah, he, he was signed, and everybody knew he was going to be a reliever back end right. guy, and but. He couldn't hold runners. His delivery didn't it wasn't suited to hold runners. Um, he, you know, he 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 had pitched in college and they weren't a very good team and he was their closer. So he didn't really get as many reps as a, you would think an outstanding pitcher would get. So I wanted him to face different opportunities, how to hold runners, how to get through innings with base runners uh, and then shifted him back to to a back end guy. And I remember having an argument with our scouting director at the time because he says, what are we doing? We got Rob Dibble there. You know, he's already ready to close. I said, he's not. He can't hold runners. He can't do any of these things that he's going to have to do at the back end. He needs the experience. I'm going to start him for a while. And I did, and I think it benefited him. And, you know, that's those are things you do to give guys experiences that, like you said, Latroy talked about being a starter and how it benefited him as a bullpen guy. Love it. Well, you guys, I've kept you for over an hour. You guys are the best. And I, I would love to be included three-way. I promise not to talk on, uh, on your guys' conversations because the information you provide is, for you guys, it's common sense. But for the vast majority of, even though we have a very sophisticated audience, uh, but for the young kids and parents out there, this is, this is very good stuff to, as an understatement. Um, well, how do we want to close it today? Did we cover everything we wanted to cover or we got to uh, wrap it up? I got a couple things. I want to uh, wish Todd Todd Helton good luck next week in the Hall of Fame. I hope he gets in. I hope Gary Sheffield gets in. Both of them guys helped me win rings. And um, uh, anybody who has a young pitcher, teach them to be a starter. And if they get to the big leagues, they'll be very rich. That's right. According to Mark's stats, they only got to throw, what, 18 Got to get to appear in eighteen games. They'll be millionaires. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's pretty amazing. And uh, you know, uh, you know, I see some of the young pitchers like that Justin Steele. Yeah. For yeah. Uh, for the Cubs, I love that guy. Yeah. Uh, his stuff. That guy could be a monster. You know, I mean, I look at these young guys, um, and I'm really impressed with the fact that. Uh, 
what they could be. I just hope that they get a chance to be what yeah. they should be. Uh, no, no doubt. No doubt. Well, guys, thanks for a great show. I know our audience is going to love this. This will take us into the weekend. It's only a doubleheader Friday, so it's a lighter day. We're followed up by the, the sauce. He just broke to me that there's talk that Andy Reid may be retiring after this playoff run. So oh, wow. we'll cover that on the sauce next. I don't know where the heck a 13-year-old gets his resources from, but he's got some. Oh, he's good. He's, he's, he's his dad's son, man. Well, I got. Uh, you got Safe uh, calling in for bets. Uh, yeah. Now. For Tanner. Calls Tanner, not me. <laughs> <laughs> he does he called the other day chase he said hey i need to talk to tanner and i was like i was thinking like wow this kid's got a deep voice for tanner's friends and why is he calling my phone and uh it was chafe and it was on the michigan game michigan uh he's like i listened to the podcast he made all these points but i got a question on this can i talk to him i was like okay there's a first but uh <laughs> yeah he won 20 bucks that's uh, chafe did so good for him but uh no guys great show just want to Remind our sponsors, Blackout Coffee, Jaw Bats. Make sure you support them. We put the promo codes in the beginning. Any glitches, let me know uh, with Blackout. We also have Liquid IV and Zencaster with those ad reads. Um, let me know if there's issues with any of the links, and we'll see if we can fix it for you. We want to take care of our hosts and our audience there. Closing in on 64000 by the week, and I think we'll hit it by the by tonight with the two podcasts today. And uh, we are, again, up for those two awards. So congratulations to you guys. Appreciate all the work you do and the great content you provide out there. And it sounds like maybe the front office, Major League front office, is starting to listen to your podcast and realize, yes, there indeed is a problem with Major League pitching. So congratulations on that as well. And with that, guys, I will uh, say have a great weekend and look forward to next week and, and episode 417, A Day at the Yard, Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will in the books. Sounds good. Thanks, Dave.